baseline, underneath, bank shot. No, Ewing slams in the follow. And the Knicks go up by one with 26 seconds remaining. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. The buzzer sounds, and the New York Knickerbockers are going back to the NBA Finals. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yep. All right. So, yeah, today is uh, Alex Rodriguez Day. And I guess the afternoon drive show is going to, I don't know, retire his number and hang it up in here. <sighs> Sounds fun. I'll be tuning in. I just do wish I have, you know, not to, I do have to just say, you know, I do find it funny that Sean Marash is now the the champion of this. Considering the guy hasn't met a Yankee, he wouldn't want to boo uh, for his entire life. This is the same guy who booed Giancarlo Stanton his, the first time ever wearing the pinstripes. And, and I'm sure booed Alex Rodriguez mercilessly on many occasions. But that's neither here nor there. Because, you know, some people, you know, come up with Alex Rodriguez Day. Very creative, very interesting, I suppose. And then some of us just live it. Some of us live this Team A-Rod life like I do. I've been on A-Rod for forever. A-Rod's my guy. A-Rod wanted to be, well, now I was saying, you see, now this is where people, A-Rod wanted to be a Yankee. Not more than he wanted to be a Met, not more than he wanted to be a Red Sox, but he wanted to get the hell out of Texas and then was thrilled to be a Yankee. He was willing to acquiesce his position at short and move over to third base. That's all I needed to know. When Alex Rodriguez came here and deferred to the captain and said, you know what, I'm the better shortstop, but that's okay. It's better for me, and it's better for me to be the third baseman and you to be the shortstop. You're the team captain. And then to dive into being the best third baseman, and he was a terrific third baseman as well. And he was a great player. He won two MVPs. Hopefully Judge will be the next, but like, when's the last guy who won multiple MVPs for the New York Yankees? You have to go back a long ways. Before Alex Rodriguez. And then, yeah, I met. I had the chance to meet him. I'll never forget that day. I guess I can give a little inside story. It's Alex Rodriguez Day. I can give a little insight. It's years later now. So we got the call. I'm in the studio. I'm in the control room with Monzo. And we get the call from Alex Rodriguez's people. That he just left the meeting with Major League Baseball. He's furious. And he wants to come on with Mike. So, okay, sounds great. So we're talking, we we tell him to come in or whatever. And, you know, we didn't, Mike didn't, well, we came up with the decision. Mike didn't want to let Yes know. We were on, we were on the Yes Network at the time. Mike was televised by Yes. And he was afraid that if it got back to the Yankees somehow, they would try to kibosh it or do something. So, like, I was very secretive with the guy. What's coming up? You know, because they saw that we were all running around. Mike's running around. We're doing a million things. And I said, what's going on? So I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I guess, you know, just normal stuff. You know how he is. So we were, we didn't tell the Yes Network that A-Rod was coming on. We did no promoting of it. We didn't mention it. We knew for a little bit. And then he comes walking in with all his lawyers, all his people, comes walking through the station, and it was... 
you know movies sometimes where like an important person like the best way the best way to describe it it might not be certainly not apples to apples but like an office building or maybe like a a, a police precinct in a movie and all of a sudden like the 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 guy from internal affairs with the book with the brief briefcase walks in and it's just like quiet and everybody's staring at him as he walks through the office on his way to like the the captain's on he walks through the entire police precinct yeah he walks through the entire police precinct and then heads to the the captain's office or yeah like the later seasons of 24 when Jack Bauer shows up at CTU for the 17th time in the last four seasons, but he's a legend there by that time. And everybody's like, oh, there's Jack Bauer, there's Jack Bauer. He comes walking through on his way to, uh, you know, the head of the new head of CTU who doesn't do it nearly as good as he did, walks into his office or her office. It's kind of like that. Like the entire newsroom, the entire sales office was in the newsroom waiting, you know, and he comes walking through and it's like, he shuffles in with like a whole bunch of guys around him. And then certainly when he shuffled out, well, I'll never forget walking out. So he comes in, he does, I've told this story too, but he comes in, sits down next to Mike, does the whole interview. I tell me why I should serve one day and all the, you know, we all know how the interview went. He told his truth. That's how I'll put it because today is team A-Rod day. So A-Rod came in and told his truth and then he left and I remember we we walked him out. Me and Mons walked him to out through the newsroom. And when I opened the door, the control room, and walked down to the newsroom, the entire staff, like, I mean, everybody, sales, engineering, Ted and accounting, like, I mean, just everybody was out there in the newsroom watching it on the TVs in the newsroom on the Yes Network. And then he comes walking out, and I, I couldn't, it was so many... And nobody asked him for anything. Nobody talked to him. You could tell he was like obviously unhappy in the circumstances of the interview and fighting Major League Baseball and all that. So nobody said anything, and he just walked through the newsroom. But the newsroom was packed. And then I'll, I'll never forget uh, a salesperson comes into the office, uh, into the control room, and they're talking to us. And the salesperson says, is that is that Alex Rodriguez's water. And we had got him for the interview a cup of water. We didn't have bottled water. We got a cup from the, you know, and you go to the, the water, the, uh, the water cooler. We got him a cup of water, and he left the cup there. And that's clearly the seat he was sitting in. Is that the cup Alex Rodriguez was drinking from? I was like, yeah, I guess. That's his. Do you mind if I take it? I was like, you want, you want the cup? Yeah, you think I could have the cup? Yeah. Go uh, go, go get the cup. It's just so, I'll never forget that. It was so weird. I don't know if they thought like it would be valuable or something. They could sell it on eBay. The cup, my, the cup Alex Rodriguez drank while he was on with Mike Francesa on WFAN and the Yes Network fighting for his proverbial baseball life. Like, I don't know if that cup had any value. But, yeah. Ask for the cup. That was a that was a crazy day. That was one of the crazier days I've been here. To have Alex Rodriguez storm in and you could see it on his face. He was pissed. He was pissed. And it's always awkward too, because sometimes you do interviews if you've, you know, for us, what we this is, you know, common practice. 
you'll have someone come in and do an interview and they'll have, I don't know, PR people with them or family members with them or whatever, depending on like if, if a big star doing it for whatever reason. And they, a lot of the time, he'll they'll have people sit in the control room with us. You know, me and Monzo, me and Lugie uh, for the afternoon drive with uh, Craig and Evan, uh, whoever it is, you know. Now it would be, you know, Lugauer and... Uh, Sean, or even, you know, in the morning, obviously, with Eddie and Al, or even midday with Dove and Pete. They hang out in there. The people's family, the people's PR. And I remember that one being, like, awkward, because I'm, you know, I don't know if they're aware that he's lying through his teeth, but it's just like, it was a, it's one of those interviews where you just know, like, it's, it's going to be impactful in the legal dealings that he had. Like, it was just, it was crazy. It was, it was high intensity, high pressure. It was weird. We were lying to the Yes Network. Then it, we, we, Alex Rodriguez, like, Alex Rodriguez walked in, and the guys from Yes were like, what? Guys, get the lower third, Alex Rodriguez. Like, <laughs> like, why didn't you tell us? I'm like, I swear, I didn't know. Which way did he go, George? Uh, I don't know. That was a crazy day. But yes, I, I've always been Team A-Rod. I've been Team A-Rod from the beginning. When he came over and moved to third base, Team A-Rod. Won the MVP in 05, Team A-Rod. It was incredible in 07, Team A-Rod. I'll never forget, I made a piece when Alex Rodriguez, and I know they were playing some of the anti-A-Rod stuff today. On uh, I guess today was Evan's day to be anti-A-Rod. And they were playing all the different controversies. I remember in, at the end of the 07 or during the 07 World Series when he opts out. Right? Was it 08? Well, no, it was the 07 World Series, right? It was yeah, 07 against the Rockies, right? Red Sox Rockies. Yeah, so it's the 07 World Series. And A-Rod uh, uh, opts out of his contract. And Ken Rosenthal is reporting it to, you know, Buck, uh, Joe Buck on television. And... You know, there's the rumors that Cash has drawn a line in the sand. If you opt out, we are not resigning you because we lose the 27 million of the final years of the contract with Texas. Then you know, so it's just like it's not happening. I remember being really disappointed and upset, and I did a piece uh, for Steve Summers. I was working with Steve at the time, and I made a piece. I wish I could, maybe I can go and find it. He saves a lot of them uh, in the system, but I did a piece for for Steve with uh, Phil Collins, Against All Odds. I, like, I used that song and did a piece for Alex Rodriguez. You're the only one who really knew me at all. And take a look at me now. There's just empty space. And to wait for you, well, that's all I can do. And it's a chance I'll have to take. I was really disappointed Alex Rodriguez was leaving. But thankfully... Thankfully, the Steinbrenners overruled the great Brian Cashman and brought Alex Rodriguez back into the fold, which clearly led to the 2009 World Series and all the nonsense after. But that's okay. That's okay. I'm team. I'm team Alex. I won't even. I don't laugh at the Ben Affleck commercials, not because they're not funny, but because he stole my guy's girl. So Ben Affleck, he's off my list. 877-337-6666. Bobby in Orlando. What's up, Bobby? Hey, Chris. Happy Friday. You Happy Friday. Oh, thank you, buddy. And that's a classic song, that Phil Collins. Um, 
And I would also say I'm more of a fan like you are than Morash is towards the Yankees, that's for sure. Well, listen, I'm, Morash is a, a good Yankee fan. He's just he's he be, he's the he believes in the power of boo, like and and yeah. just I because and I remember because I was with him. We were both we worked together for a brief time with CMB. He was the producer for CMB for a while, and I was running the board. I was with him, so it was me and him in the for CMB, uh, Carlin, Maggie, and Bart for a time, and that was right around the time when when Stanton came to the Yankees. And I was killing. He was, he was like, he was at Yankee Stadium for the opening day, booing, booing Stanton his first game there. Like whatever has happened subsequently, <laughs> like a guy comes over here, high price, tra- you know, free uh, trade or free agent or whatever the case may be. Like I don't care if he goes zero for seven and hits into seven double plays. You don't boo him on opening day. Like it's just stupid. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the reason I'm calling is. I haven't called since uh, we got Juan Soto. Yeah. I was so pumped up then. I haven't been uh, up late, you know, working, but I do listen uh, on the on the uh, the podcast you guys let out. Yeah. And two nights ago, at the end, you were super excited. I could hear it in you again. You're like, we got Juan Soto, and you were all pumped up. So it just gave me how I feel right now. I'm getting all pumped up now that the baseball season is about to start. Yep. Um, about Juan Soto, that it's a reality, you know. All season's long, and it has been very strange in the MLB the last couple of years. Yeah. But at least we got Juan Soto. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also just – oh, God. No, go ahead. I agree. I'm pumped we got Juan Soto. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Juan Soto is a very fun player to watch. He's exciting. He's exu- He brings a lot of enthusiasm. Plus, he's a phenomenal hitter. And him and Judge back-to-back, are. Go- it's going to be as fun as – I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think and be fair – of guys back to back. I mean, for a time, Alex Rodriguez and Mark Teixeira. Um, but like, really, I mean, these two guys, you are talking about two of the top five hitters in baseball back to back in the lineup for the Yankees. It's, that's, you know, it's, it's special stuff. Yep. I'm very excited. He also has a personality. And yet, I know they're the enemy, but it's the closest thing I've seen since Big Poppy and Manny. And, yeah. you know, that's what it seems like. And then I also want to say I'm excited for when the Yankees do start playing to call you after the games, especially after some of these exciting oh, wins. Um, but it's going to be exciting year for Bobby, you and Bobby, uh, you Bobby, know, Bobby, Bobby, fans. Bobby, yeah. Bobby, Bobby, you ain't kidding, man. Every night, <laughs> every night, games to react to. Every night, things to talk yeah. about. Results, wins, yeah. and losses every single night. I cannot wait for baseball season. I miss it. I took over in in on July 10th, right around the All Star break. They came out mm-hmm. the Yankee, the Mets had pretty much already had their season was already over. They went through the 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 worst June swoon you could possibly imagine. That mm-hmm. you could see already by the time I took over in June, uh, July, excuse me, where that season was going. The Yankees had a brief glimmer of hope coming out of the All Star break and proceeded to lose two out of three in heartbreaking fashion to Colorado, mm-hmm. and it never got going in the right direction. Judge was out. It was just like by the time I took over, I didn't really have a baseball season. I am nope. pumped. I I cannot tell you how excited I am to start a baseball season here as the overnight host. I am I'm so pumped about it. Yeah, and I remember too right at that Marlins games. That was when it was like over. Oh. But uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, it was a tough one, and it was also I'm excited for hopefully some good offense. I know everybody's all about the pitching, but yeah. I really hope the offense turns around. I know we got Juan Soto and Verdugo, but the offense was the worst offense I've seen yeah, in maybe my lifetime at the Yankees. I know it's tough to watch. And, and you uh, have a wonderful night, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank and, you, Bobby. Uh, we'll talk during the season. Absolutely, man. Give me a call. Thanks. Go Yankees. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand. Like, people say that, and I typically push back. 
with the whole, oh, it's not just I was joking about it in the open. It's not just how, it's not just losing, Chris. It's how they lose. And I, I push back on that because I'm like, eh, no, it's the losing. Because, yeah, the offense sucks, and that, that, that's crappy to watch, and I hate it. But if the offense was great and they were losing every night 9-8 and the bullpen was the worst in baseball and they were blowing lead after lead, like it doesn't matter how you get to 82-80 and 80 for the Yankees. It doesn't matter how you lose games for the Yankees. If you lose, it's miserable to watch. You think it's any better to watch? Oh, at least you got a lot of runs scored and good offense. And like, okay, and then the, the bullpen and the pitching just can't hold a lead. You're going to be pulling your hair out of your head. Like there is no good way to lose. But it doesn't change the fact that watching an inept offense sucks. It, it feels like they're lifeless. At least the team maybe, I guess there's some of that. The team wouldn't feel lifeless if the offense was going despite losing. But ultimately, you'd still be sick to your stomach, and you'd be fed up with the team. You'd be fed up with the manager. You'd be fed up with the, the GM. You'd, you'd be fed up. Losing is losing. However you do it, bad offense and okay pitching, terrible offense and okay pitching, Great offense, terrible pitching. Like, however you lose, it sucks. And 82 and 80 is is just unacceptable. And it sounds like, and especially listen to Brian Cashman, it sounds like he gets it. And we'll get into Brian Cashman a little bit more. I don't know if you heard. He said he admitted to doing something that I can't believe Brian Cashman admitting to do. He was on with Talking Yanks, the podcast, for their thousandth episode of Talking Yanks. Congratulations. To them, I'm a fan. I listen to the podcast. I think they do a good job. I was thinking about this today. It's funny because if I ever get a chance to talk to them, they were in here once and they co-hosted the uh, the midday show, but I was a nobody back then. I was, you know, they brushed me off like I didn't exist. I'm pretty sure they still don't follow me on Twitter, which I'm unhappy about. But um, when I, uh, if I ever get a chance to talk to them, like I'm curious what their numbers are. In the offseason, like Yankee podcast, like here's a question for you guys. If you want to hit me up on Twitter or, or, or call in, it's a simple question. It's not a an underlying theme. Which oh, we got maybe we should do an actor. I forgot about that. You want to come up with Flea? You want to help me come up with an actor? We got to do something like that. Um, I'm curious how you guys think about if you're a big Giants fan pod. Like say you're a podcast, you you're a Giants fan, Jets fan, whatever. You listen to your team's podcast. I end up find I find that I listen to Talking Yanks. And Yankee podcasts much more in the off season than I do in the regular season. Now I don't, and and even though there's less content and some of it's boring and and uh, you know same stuff going over the same stuff over and over again, but I end up listening to it because I want my fix. Like I want to get my fix during the season. I get my fix every night. So I was thinking about that because, like. I listen to it so much more. I listen to every episode in the offseason just trying to hear what's going on, thinking about the year, you know, trying to get my Yankee fix. Once the season starts, now I'm, like, less interested in the podcast. I listen to them a little bit less because, you know, I can formulate my own opinions. I know what's going on with the team. I watch every single day. I watch every single post game. Like, I don't need it as much. I don't need my Yankee fix. So I'm curious if you guys are podcasters of teams. I wonder that, that that's a thought from the road. Thought from the road. Do you like to listen to podcasts of your favorite sport and team more in the off season of that team of that sport and team, or do you listen more during the year? Because I feel like during the year I get my fix. Maybe football is different because it's only once a week. So for a once a week sport, maybe you listen a lot during the regular season. Plus, you want to hear about injuries, game plan, uh, different things. So maybe football is unique. But 
baseball, certainly. I feel like once the season starts, I don't need any of that. I just I have the Yankees with me. During the offseason, that's when I miss them. But they're back. They're back. All the videos of bullpen sessions. What do we see? Luis Heel versus uh we have Lu- uh Luis Heel versus uh uh Austin Wells today in the batter's box. All that stuff. I love it. With all the coaches behind watching those typical cliched spring training videos. I can't get enough. 877-337-6666. A little bit more on Brian Cashman and what surprising, ad- admitting, weird thing Brian Cashman does that a lot of us do, I certainly do, that I wouldn't have expected him, to A, to do, and B, to admit to. World Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. It's their 27th World Championship. The most of any team in any sport in the history of professional sports. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free RCF. So I mentioned Brian Cashman did the Talking Yanks podcast for their thousandth episode of Talking Yanks. Congratulations to Jim, Jake, John Boy and Jake, and uh, Baby David in the corner. I am a fan. I listen to the show. Um, so they had Cashman on, and he admitted to doing something. I'm surprised he admitted to do. It's a it's a little cornball-y, but it's fun. I do it. I'm a big gift guy. So apparently they asked him if texting was the most common way that GMs discuss off, you know, discuss things with agents, discuss, you know, have conversations with other GMs, have conversations with other agents during free agency, if texting has now become more of the way uh, of communication as opposed to phone calls and faxes and emails. And and, uh, Cashman admitted, yes, that it is the most common way. He said, I think half-jokingly, but he said it's easier to insult someone uh, through text than it is over the phone. And then he said he's a big big gift guy and that if he gets an offer or or something he doesn't like, he he commonly will send back gifts of people vomiting. And also cows taking dumps. Brian Cashman, the GM of the New York Yankees. So if he's dealing with another GM, let's say right now, because uh, let's say uh, Ch- uh, Chernoff's son, right? I, I want what's the what's his first name? Chris, Mike, Mike Chernoff, Mike Chernoff in Cleveland. Because I'm hoping the the I'm hoping for a Bieber trade. I think that would be the best solution for the Yankees. Uh, I'm all in for this year, and then you you move on. Uh, so I would like that as opposed to signing Snell or even Montgomery. So let's just say Mike Chernoff and him are talking about trading for Bieber, and Mike Chernoff sends him an offer that he doesn't like. He'll send back a pick. He'll send back a gift of a cow taking a dump. That is just so funny to me. That that's how Brian Cashman handles business. That Brian Cashman will, will send back vomiting 
gifts. <laughs> uh, that's how it's done in Major League Baseball these days. Him and Brody Van Wagenen discussing Marcus Stroman. <laughs> Sending back and forth puking gifts. Amazing. 877-337-6666. So yeah, Brian Cashman is a giffer. Is that a word? Why not? I mentioned we do something with acting, and we've been on these five-hour shows. We've kind of had a theme underlying in the show where you can give me someone, and I asked uh, Fliegelman to do something for once and come up with uh, the, the theme. And he said that yesterday, so we're a day late, but that's okay. I didn't have a five-hour show yesterday. Yesterday would have been Chris Farley's 60th birthday. Now, I love Chris Farley. Love him. Absolutely adore Chris Farley. And it's one of the more, if you think about it, like if you just think, forget the idea that every day, everything is tragic. I mean, listen, as we're in still in the, you know, the wake of what happened the other day in Kansas City, every death is tragic. But if you just think about the future of career of the ability to continue to make stuff, like obviously, you know, Biggie and Pac, uh, Tupac, to be able to continue to make music at such a young age, we were robbed of so many great albums and music. And, you know, obviously every, everyone, who knows? You know, uh, you know, for me specifically, John Lennon, may, who knows? Were we robbed of an eventual Beatles reunion and more Beatles music? I don't know. But Chris Farley is one where just just think of all the, the, the different ways we could have laughed if Chris Farley did not leave when he, Jim Belushi, there's so many. Jim Morrison. So many. But Chris Farley in particular, just I always think just how many. He was the original Shrek. I don't know if you knew that. Chris Farley was the original Shrek. They even have, I've seen videos on it, they have like... Um, some drawings that he did some of the the vocal that he did some of the uh, voiceover work already for like it was in the works and then when he passed away that's when Mike Myers took over the role and and gave him the accent gave him the scottish type feel where it was just the noise it was just Chris Farley's voice uh the original thought process so <clears throat> we could do Chris Farley we could also do you don't have to just do movies we could do our favorite Saturday night live skits i have a bunch we'll get to so Chris Farley today if you have any Thoughts, you can hit me up on Twitter. You can call in the show, 877-337-6666. Chris Farley would have been 60 years old. Wow. Time is flying. I'm 40. It's crazy. And Brian Cashman sends vomiting gifts when he doesn't like a trade. That's, that is so funny to me. Mike in Woodbridge. What's up, Mike? Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Mike? How are you? I'm great. Um, I got a question for you. Sure. So... Uh, mid-season, you know, we're going June, and uh, we're at, you know, 210, 220, and 10 home runs for Giancarlo. Does this team have the stones to tell Giancarlo that he is a two- to three-day-a-week player? Um, Yeah. Um, I don't know about that early. It depends. Here's the question. Um, well, you're getting the Martian back. Well, that's the question. That's the question with Giancarlo. Now, yeah, the news early on is good. He's throwing. Uh, they're hoping he can take swings in the next week or two. And that they're talking to, like, 
you know, that he could be in, in games and, and, and stuff in, you know, a rehab assignment by late April, May. So his, his timetable has accelerated, no doubt. So it sounds oh, like, oh, yeah. And that's what I'm saying is he, right. do they have the stones to sit him down and play somebody else at DH every day? Um, yeah, I don't know about every day, but he would be a platoon. He, he won't play every day. I, I do think that because if you listen, um, you know, Boone was on with uh, Evan and Tiki, and they asked him this exact question. Evan asked him this exact question. Evan said he's, you know, he's struggled, but he still has great numbers. If you look at it, even through his struggles, he has great numbers against lefties. If this season looks like last season at times, is, you know, are you, is there a scenario where you could see Giancarlo stand in the platoon against lefties? And Aaron Boone, actually, and I thought for sure. I, I remember the question, and I forget exactly how he worded it, but it was like, you know, pretty much like, you, you know, he's really been terrible. Could you see him as a part-time player? And I thought for sure Aaron Boone was going to come back with, Evan, you're talking about Giancarlo Stanton. You're talking about one of the premier hitters. Like, we still think he's he's still and, – and some of the stuff he still says, he's got that fast twitch where, you know, right, he can right. still do this, he can still do that. But his response to Evan was, we're not there yet. I was that, – that's an admission – that they've talked about it. That's an admission that they're open to the idea that they will get there. So, yeah, if he is awful. And now, give me those numbers again, like 210. Like, yeah, 210, 220, 10, 10, 12 home runs yeah. in June. Yeah, I mean, if it, mid <sighs> mid to late June. Yeah. Where, where are we going? Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I'm not it's sure. kind of a wasted spot. Yeah, I I one. I really hope that's not going to be the case, and, and I honestly I don't think it is. But let's say it is. Yeah, I do think that the Yankees are prepared, especially if if it depends on what's going. Like if Verdugo has those same numbers, then maybe not. Like you know, it depends if Verdugo is having a decent year, like we hope, and then the right. Martian comes back, and they would probably ease him into things. But say the Martian's back for three weeks, and now he's starting to hit and playing most days, and and obviously Soto and Judge or Soto and Judge, yeah. I think there is a scenario where you could see him play against lefties and have kind of a platoon at you know somehow working around when a lefty is in. You either give Verdugo the day off, or you you move, uh, you know, you put Stan in the outfield and move Verdugo to DH, or you know, you figure something out. Um, I could see that. Yeah, I honestly, this is the first time he really? that that answer really? from Boone. Yeah, I, I do. I think so. Really? Okay. Uh, I think I, so. Now, I they're not going to be. Not, on it. I don't think they're ready to eat the contract, but I do think that at some point, like they're going to want to play. They they're going to want to play Dominguez. Like they're going to want to play him, and they just traded for Verdugo and Juan Soto's Juan Soto. So right. I mean, he, right. they haven't had legitimate places to go. Like this I year, just, I just wanted your opinion yeah. on if Hal was going to yes. drop the hammer and say, oh, "I'm I, paying." Forty million, whatever, a year for this guy, and he's playing three days a week. Uh, I, I just didn't know if he was yeah. going to come down and say, you know, this guy's he he has to play. No, I don't think so. I think he would let Cashman uh, run the team and Boone run the team the way they saw fit, and because he's paying Juan Soto, ton, he's paying Juan Soto thirty million dollars, and they just traded away uh, assets to get Verdugo here, and you know the young kid is important. So I think they would give it time and let Jason Dominguez reestablish himself. Like we all just assume Jason Dominguez is going to come back and pick up where he left off and be one of the better young players in baseball, which he was for a month. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. 
we got to let that sink in. Maybe he comes up here and is terrible for a month and they send him back down. It's plausible. I hope not, but it's plausible. So I think there is a scenario, but it it all it doesn't just include what Stanton does. It includes what the other people who'd be playing for him. If everyone's healthy and playing well, absolutely. I think you could see Stanton become a platoon player. I absolutely do. I think you could see the most expensive platoon off the bench in late situations for if they bring in a left-handed hitter, a pitcher you've ever seen. I think there's absolutely a scenario for that. Keith and Jackson, what's up, Keith? Hi. Hi. Hi, I want to know about um, what do you think about – I think the Yankees are making a big mistake here. They stacked up their offense like no one's business, and now there's no pitching. Like, not not pitching that you could rely on for a World Series pitching. The um, Orioles got pitching. Yeah, I mean, I I disagree with the the with as, as much uh, f- uh, fire and fervor you put on that statement. Um, if you've watched the Yankees over the last – uh, handful of years, the last, you know, this run, uh, even going back to 09, when they lose in the playoffs, they lose because they can't hit. And they've had guys like Paxton step in. They've had different guys who, who were, you know, guys you wouldn't expect to count on come through in the postseason and pitch at least fairly well. The offense has failed them time and time again. Now, this rotation does have one of, has the best pitcher in baseball in it, in, in Cole. And you, Rodon did make $160 million and put together two seasons that were extremely dynamic. you got to hope he reverts to it. We've seen what Nesta Cortez has done. There is a lot of ifs. And my number one thing, if I could wave a magic wand and have the Yankees add another piece, it would be a second, it would be a second star. It would be another guy at the top of that rotation. I agree. That's the, the, the biggest glaring weakness is the... Uh, the starting rotation after Garrett Cole. There's a couple of question marks, but I don't think it's so bad that you can't compete with it. Also, what do you think the the now you have like a whole new lineup? What do you think the lineup should be one to nine? Uh, all right. Thank you for the call, Keith. What do I think the Yankee lineup should be one through nine? Um, to start the year, it depends on how he does in spring training. But let's just assume everybody has. Let's just be pie in the sky. Everybody has a great spring training. Everybody looks good. Everybody has a great spring training. We all have high expectations for everybody. I still think I like JD. I th- I still think I like um, DJ. Excuse me, JD. Uh, Lemayhu leading off. As of right now, if Verdugo starts to have a great beginning of the season, and or Lemayhu does not, I could see moving Verdugo to leadoff versus right-handed pitching and keeping D.J. LeMahieu uh, leadoff against left-handed pitching. But for me, let's just say now, right now, I got D.J. leading off. I like Soto at the number two because as much as I can argue uh, with our friend from San Diego, I do agree that he walks a lot, he gets on base. That's his biggest strength. I prefer him getting on base in front of Judge than being the protection for Judge. I like that idea too. I do. But for me, his biggest asset, despite the fact he's hit 35 home runs, his biggest asset is on base percentage. It is. It's his best It's his best quality. So I'd rather take that, his best quality, and use it to get on base in front of Judge as opposed to being a feared hitter behind Judge. I know a lot of people, Judge hasn't had protection. Judge managed to hit 62 home runs with a really lackluster offense the second half of the year the other year, in 22. So I, he'll figure it out. 
So for me, I'd much. I, I'm two three. I'd prefer Soto two, Judge three. That's what I would do. So I got DJ leading off, Soto playing right field, and DJ is obviously the third baseman. Soto playing right field, hitting second, Judge in center for now, in uh, in center field. Excuse me. So Judge hitting third in center field. Rizzo playing first base. I think I'd still go Stanton as the DH for right now. That's subject to change. I could easily move him down. That could easily be. That could e- depends on Stanton. That could easily be Torres. It could either be Torres or Stanton in that spot. If and I like the lefty righty, lefty righty, and I have no problem with Torres down the lineup being you know someone who could. So I would go Stanton. Uh, five, then I go Verdugo, six, playing left field. Then I go Torres, seventh, playing second base. Then I would go Wells, catcher, Volpe hitting ninth, playing shortstop. That would be my lineup on opening day as of right now. DJ LeMahieu leading off. Soto, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Verdugo, Torres, Wells, Volpe. That sounds so much better than it has for years. That's a lot. I mean, let's look at that balance. Righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. It's righty, lefty all the way down. It's abacadabba all the way down. I don't know if you guys, if you guys have ever seen Who's the Man with Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. Not that Dr. Dre, the other Dr. Dre. With Dennis Leary. Uh, Ed Lover and, and uh, Dr. Dre become cops. Dennis Leary's the captain. But th- when they take the test, it's like a Scantron. And the guy next to him, he's like, he's trying to cheat. And the guy next to him is like, I just do abacadabba all the way down. I don't know why that stuck with me. I am the proctor. The what? If you've never seen Who's the Man, check out Who's the Man. Ben in Brooklyn. What's up, Ben? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm all right. Big time... Yankee fan, first time, long time. Well, thank you for calling um, in, man. Yeah, a couple quick things. I think, you know, if Rodan can hold up, it's going to change our whole season. No doubt. It's the number year. one the number one key to this Yankee season is Carlos Rodan. And I think, and it. I'm not sure what number two is, but I'm starting from when listening to Boone on day one of, of spring training, I think the Yankees now think D.J. LeMahieu is number two. Could be. Could be because I think if DJ LeMahieu is a is DJ LeMahieu of 2019 2020 and is a 320 hitter, that lineup is devastating at the top. But I mean, if he's a 250 hitter with no pop, then then it's not as devastating. But if he gets back to being DJ LeMahieu and is spraying the ball over the place and leading the world in multi hit games, like that, that's a devastating top of the lineup. Yeah, that's a different that's a different game. That'd be it's wonderful. A, it's a huge um, difference maker. On your SNL thing, I'm a huge Chris Farley fan as well. Yeah. Van down by the river, I cried and nearly peed my pants. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, his, uh, his um, what's the name of the character? Uh, the motivational oh, speaker. Yeah. He's been Ooh, sitting, uh, he's been sitting in, and uh, the, the great uh, Phil Hartman is the dad in the original sketch. Yeah. He's, and, been, and like David, he's been sitting downstairs David, and drinking coffee for the last four hours. <laughs> He'll be right up. Joe. And David Spade and what, and, uh, and, uh, oh God, from, from all my from, yeah, uh, from married with children, just both yeah. losing it the whole time. Yeah, it's no, it's funny. it's 
It's Matt Foley. It's Matt Foley right, uh, and, it. and Matt Christina Foley. and Christina exactly. and Christina Applegate. It's yes, it's tremendous. Yep. It's so. It's, so sleep, sleep, sleeper SNL. I think I'm a little bit older than you, but Sleeper SNL cast. Was when they had Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest, and Eddie Murphy. All yeah, time. that is. I I vaguely remember this. I mean, uh, Billy Crystal wasn't with them that long, so I I barely mm-hmm. remember a couple of Billy Crystal skits. Obviously, one or two. Obviously, the, right? He's the famous one. Is it's better to look good than to feel good, right? Um, yeah, but look, look up the one where it's it's him and Chris Guest, uh-huh. and they're like they're like borscht belt comedians, and Gumby comes walking into the deli, also playing like as a as a borscht belt comedian, hilarious. You will pee your pants, I swear. Okay. I, well, I, I really don't need to pee my pants. Thanks. Thankful. I'm not looking for that, to be honest with you. A good chuckle's enough. Uh, Fred and Poughkeepsie. What's up, Fred? Hello. Hello. Enjoying the show. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Folly uh, on uh, my favorite was the uh, Ch- uh, Chippendale uh um, sure. He, Do you know there's a there's a lot of controversy around that sketch? Do you know that? No. Why? Um, what's his name from uh, Better Call Saul? What's his name? Uh, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, okay. He was a Saturday Night Live writer, right? Writer, not writer. Writer. And he worked. He was the. He was a. He was doing it during that time period. He was very close to Chris Farley. Chris Rock has said this as, as well. They think that sketch has a lot to do with the way Chris Farley's life went after it, and had a lot to do with his death. Like, Why? They, I, I, it's it's. I you know I was surprised to hear this, but both guys say it. He hates the sketch. Uh, Odenkirk was on with 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 with, with on with Stern, and he was talking about this. He yeah. thinks that was the beginning of like Chris Farley hating himself, or whatever. Because it's like that sketch had no comic value other than look at the fat man dance. There was no, there was no cleverness to it. There was no writing to it. There was no performance of it other than his great physical talent to be able to dance and and honestly keep up with Patrick Swayze. But the the it, it was so much of an obvious. We're laughing at the fat man dancing, and Chris somehow they they believe Chris internalized that as they're laughing at me and not with me, and it changed the way he went about his comedy and living his life. Like I heard Chris Rock has said it, and Bob Odenkirk have both been on record saying they hate the sketch. The sketch every time they and I hate to ruin it for you. I think it's hilarious too. I, yeah. I, I I'm not. I don't know the inner workings of Chris Farley. I'm just saying those two guys have both said screw that sketch. Every time I see it, I cringe. I want nothing to do with it, and I think it impacted Chris Farley's life in a negative way because it was he was such a self conscious guy. And you learn that a lot about comedians. I mean, a lot of them are sad. A lot of them are self conscious. Uh, a lot of them end up being darker people than you would ever imagine. Darker mooded people than you could ever imagine. And, like, for whatever reason, the idea that that sketch reinforced they're laughing at me, not with me, like, both Chris Rock and Bob Odenkirk think it really impacted Chris Farley in a negative way, which I was I was, I was, was puzzled to hear. Because ultimately, it also shows what a brilliant physical comedic actor he is. Absolutely. Yeah, so but so I hate to rain on your prey, but you brought it up, and it just it sparked my memory. Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to say, uh, as far as music... Uh, you were talking about losing, you know, great 
uh, are a great uh, talent. Yes. And uh, Buddy Holly. Oh, of course, Buddy, the day the music died. Buddy Holly, uh, you know, the critic, the crickets, yep. uh, the Beatles wouldn't Correct. be... Would they, there would be no Beatles without the cricket. Correct. Well, I mean, they might not be called the Beatles. I don't. I mean, yeah, but yes, no. Um, uh, he was in, he was impactful with everyone in music. I mean, uh, he was one of the early innovators of, of rock and roll. There's no doubt about it. Bo- Buddy Holly was extremely influential. Extremely. Uh, he wasn't there only. Um, you know, they loved Little Richard. They they were into a lot of. You know the the early rock and roll in America. You know before, and, and not so much just Buddy Holly, but definitely impacted them. But you're right about the name. They uh, John Lennon loved the name the Crickets and wanted to do something like it. And then when they f- found the clever way to include include like beat in it and call themselves the Beatles, you're right. They would not. They would have called. They would have probably ended up calling themselves something else if it wasn't for Bobby uh, uh, and the Crickets. But I don't know if they necessarily wouldn't have happened. You know, he was he was impactful, but it wasn't the only inspiration they had. Um, but yes, calling Buddy Holly and the Crickets led to the Beatles calling themselves the Beatles. The very famous story is uh, John Lennon uh, when asked about why they called themselves the Beatles. He, a man in a flaming pie, uh, came down and said, "You will be Beatles, and Beatles you are." And so we were. But in reality, they came. They wanted a clever way. They liked the crickets, and they ended up coming up with the Beatles. I also heard an interesting story about the Ramones. Uh, I did not know this angle about the Ramones. I knew it about Paul McCartney. Uh, when the Beatles were doing tours early on, um, first, first, like they were the Silver Beatles. Then they just became the, they were John and the Silver Beatles. Then they were just the Beatles. And there was a time where they had different names that they would give at hotels, and they also had a a tour with a group that had. Them, I forget exactly who they were opening for, but they, they, they were John and the Silver Beatles, and they each had their own unique name. And Paul's was Paul Ramone. He called himself Paul Ramone, and the Ramones took that and called themselves the Ramones. None of their names are actually Ramone. None of the Ramones are Ramones. I had no idea. I knew the story about Paul Ramone. I did not know that's where the Ramones got their names. I just heard that yesterday. More fun facts you get from me. Who knows what I'll talk about next? Probably the Yankees or the Beatles, right? Yeah, I guess. But maybe Chris Farley, 877-337-6666. I'll give you my favorite skit. That's not even close. I've talked about it before. My favorite Saturday Night Live skit with Chris Farley is, it's not even close. So we'll get to that. You can give me that, your favorite movies. I do I do love a lot of his bad, even his bad movies, like Beverly Hills Ninja, cracks me the hell up. Obviously, Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. But we can get into a little Chris Farley, 60 years old. Huh, crazy. 